curious about all things creative. This podcast is about conversations with all kinds of artists, the how and the why they create. I'll be talking to painters, poets, potters, novelists, actors, musicians, clothing designers, leather makers, jewelers, and uh, there also may be some wine involved. Here we are. Okay, so we're going to share a, a bottle. Ooh. <laughs> I know, right? I work with clay and I can't open a bottle. <laughs> okay, cheers. Okay, beautiful. I am so pleased. Yeah. One of the biggest treats I've had in a long time. So yeah. thank you. So we're going to sit and chat with a glass of Intersection Merlot 2018. And this winery is from the Okanagan Valley. It's so much fun. So cheers. Here's to you. Uh, Friday night, Lachayim. Yeah, Lachayim. <laughs> oh. mm. mm, that's my favorite wine. It's that's good. Flavor. Oh, it's really nice. It's nice, isn't it? It's Great. dry, but it's got some body to it. You know, I really like that. <sighs> oh, I love the painting behind you. That's beautiful. Is that a newer piece? Yeah, it's actually just done recently. I, um... Oh, Ms. Lori Goldberg a painter, uh, many awards from Canada Council, Tony Onley Scholarship times two, Vermont Artist Award. You had to go far to get that award, hey? <laughs> hey the <laughs> and you've done major exhibitions across Canada. You've taught at Emily Carr and at Hollyhock on Cortez Island. Um, you worked for Carfax and you're the founder of the Vancouver Salish Sea Artist Residency. And you still managed to raise two kids on your own. So I'm just like, hats off. <laughs> wow. We're here to, ch to talk about art and the act of making. And you are a perfect example of somebody who has made it work. Even though it's, I'm sure it's always really easy, right? <laughs> so easy. So easy? No. So, yeah, go ahead. I don't know, but that, that path of least resistance. Yes, taking the path of least resistance. Yeah. Yeah right? It's hard, but it, but it's still, it's something that we, so when did you know that art was going to be your path? Did you know that when you were very young or something that occurred to you? I, I don't yeah. think I ever had a choice. I think it came to me. And then mm. it came to you in school. It was preschool. Started. Wow. Preschool. I think maybe younger when I ate the mint flavored paste, I don't know, <laughs> and smelling, I don't know, sawdust and glue together and making a puppet. Oh, so that's interesting. So your olfactory is kicking in and it just excited you when you were that little. Yeah. Wow. That's cool to have memories like that. Yeah, no, I can't believe I have those memories, but they are there and they've never gone away. And I could still, uh, still drudge up those experiences. Like I just, somehow they're deep in my subconscious, but they kind of perk up when we have a conversation about it. I remember doing all sorts of fun things as a child and, you know, dressing up my younger sister who ended up being, you know, in performances for the family with, she ended up being in theater mm -hmm. and then, uh, creating carnivals in the back of the you know backyard of the house. And mm -hmm. um, I ended up working in community centers with it ever since I was like, I think in grade eight, I just kept on work. I, I, we grew up right next to a community center. And so we spent a lot of time yeah. uh, going to programs, going to classes, swimming lessons, but you know, we did lots of art. And then I ended up working community centers when I was in high school mm -hmm. and making, doing art with kids and putting on carnivals there. I mean, it's just like, it was just continuing. And it's interesting now, <laughs> years later, yeah. yeah. putting on carnivals and I'm still 
you know. It was something you did as it was part of your everyday almost. Yeah, I guess it was just part of our, our daily activities of uh, being creative. And I never really played with dolls. I was more interested in getting the wagon and having mm. some, you know, covered wagon adventure in the backyard. But, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I think that there was lots of um, playtime in our family and there was lots of people to play with. <laughs> and uh, my mother was a violinist. Uh, she, still, she still plays the violin. Wow. And, um, one of the things that she left behind, a legacy, I guess, is that she would go into the den and uh, practice. Huh. And it was like a room that no one went into. Once she walked in there, that door closed. You don't breach that closed door. You give her the space. Yeah. It was her room of her own. Always maintained that we all have a room of their own. It's her sanctuary. It's her sanctuary. And yeah. She really needed it. Well, don't. <laughs> no kidding. Mother of, yeah, mother of five. Yeah, man. I mean, but don't don't you feel that's what your studio is? Your studio is your sanctuary. Yeah, my yeah. boys know about that threshold. Also, I didn't yeah. do it. I mean, I, I don't. I think it was just they were so happy when I left the house because <laughs> was behind the house. So when I left, they were so happy they could go play their games without me interrupting. Yeah. Them. Like, don't bother. That we still are here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes her happy when she comes back, though. So let her go. <laughs> okay, so now we let's. Can we go back to your pursuits? And and I, I, I mean, I'm going to make sure everybody checks out your website because we're talking about visual art with words, but of course, you need to see the visuals. And and LaurieGoldberg.com. Yeah. Very no dot <laughs> I'll get this right. This I'm new to this. <laughs> I have it written down in my notes, but why don't you tell us? <laughs> it's Laurie Goldberg. Dot C A, of course, because we're in Canada, of course. So anyway, it, you know, just to get to see some of your works and what you've done over the years, like I, I've known you for a long time, and I remember that the large cutout pieces that you did that were hung and and those were spectacular and they reminded me of Matisse and now to see how your path has taken you and I, I just like just I, I spent quite a long time on your website just reveling I dated it yesterday I think I hope you went there because now you can see my newer work oh wonderful wow um uh, yeah that was that's a long time ago Elaine we've known each other a long time yeah, well yes we have <laughs> but but it's a great to see that that the path yeah, right yeah. Be, the, because it is an evolution so the last how many years have you been like that what you've with your current works revolve around nature and the destruction of nature and I just think those are so they're gut-wrenching for me they're very thought-provoking and they're beautiful though but they're really, they really, really make you think. They're not just there to decorate. Thank they you. really, yeah. It's important. No, it, it, decoration has its own place uh, in my um, process because I, I do want to reach almost every audience if I can. But I do want to make work that has um, some purpose that could raise awareness. And in, in that, I actually have been influenced or inspired or curious about um, and driven and kind of directed in those areas ever since I started painting. I mean, I, I used to take my 21st century sketchbook mm -hmm. when I'm a young, informative, yeah, in my form, informative years, mm -hmm. go around the city looking for um, um, kind of urban blight, you know, looking for things that are worn down, that have had better days. I mean, you know, my uh -huh. Said that one of his um, inspirations came from a stain on a on a wall, and I I felt 
I took that to heart and I would paint those stains. Paint <laughs> the stains. The stain. But I, I found yeah. that really helpful with my abstractions in those days when I would do those. And um, it was just such a world. And I still am using my camera and I'm still finding garbage, mm. beauty in garbage. You're right. They're, uh -huh. they're, they're destruction, you know, statements about destruction of nature. But at the same time, I'm finding beauty as a, as a painter. I'm finding beauty within the making. Uh -huh. The making of it, yeah. Even with my piles of garbage, um, there's this whole beauty within our discarded objects that used to have a whole history that has a history that had something that we derived something from, maybe from utilitarian uses or from personal uses. But there's a time when there's a finished with it and you discard it. But in that discard, there's there's memory and memory has mm. energy and the objects are moving and changing they have energy and i and i just find that kind of they don't pay attention we hide it away in yeah. some you know garbage dump behind something but they're all sitting there and i do believe that it has some something to look at on a bunch of levels not energetic level but also the purpose you know the whole like our consumption world and yeah, I love that idea, though, that 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 this discarded thing has a memory. And it, yeah, you're absolutely right. When you see a bottle, a water bottle scrunched up, that's been used and, and discarded by someone, but it had a purpose at some point. And now all of a sudden, it's garbage, it's, it's rendered useless. Can you talk about because I noticed on um, one of the things that you did with that you were doing a residency, was it in Camel, Mexico? Zacomal. Akamal is not far off. Okay. Akamal, Mexico. And you worked with children using discarded objects? Uh, well, we actually used the, their single-use plastic from their packaging of their foods. And uh, that would normally go into the garbage or onto the uh. into nature. Collect and clean. Yeah. And I did them all. I, it was 150 of these uh, 11 to 13-year-olds. That's a lot of kids. It was a lot of classrooms, and uh, Elaine, those classrooms were like a little shoebox, and inside of it were, were desks, and um, there was a lock and key where behind that lock and key was the dry marker. The tools were not available, so um, uh. and the children didn't know much about the environment and wasn't worth thinking about because they had other issues. You know, there was an educational element to it, and then there was, uh, then we started making, you know, art, and they don't get art lessons, so I had, yeah. to, I had to start from the beginning and just what is drawing and just give them an idea how to draw their idea out and wow what the what the end result was was uh, wanting them to create these um to create these single-use plastic packaging a uh, packaging material and cut and then tape together to create these uh, flora and fauna and it, to create an installation that we hung outside underneath the a sacred grove a grove, grove of trees wow had meaning for the community and it was really amazing to watch the progression because the kids you know that age yeah and, you know like you yeah know, and everything so it was a age but they were all such beautiful human beings that one of the most important parts of it was for me mm -hmm. I mean there's so many different layers the one was education the other was making and working together as a group conversation between the groups about what they were doing and then working together as a team mm -hmm. that's something that, you know that to me is about community and about you know I wanted them to be more about working together to create an end result as opposed to doing it by themselves and then okay yeah and the third was about acknowledging their efforts and their contribution to the global issues around the environment so I gave everyone a certificate of and then I presented every single child 
yeah with one of them and they would come up and receive it and i tell you they were just hugging me and they grinned oh i mean they love that knowledge acknowledgement yeah in your hand is something that is to remind them that they were part of something bigger and that they were yeah. doing it in other parts of the world i showed them photographs i did a little slide presentation with them and showed them how other children were also making an effort and making uh, creating awareness to and you just don't know how how that one that one activity you don't know how far that will reach right with those kids you know, you, you may have, have, have created environmental activists or, or, or artists or yeah. Yeah. Garbage and they're going to be looking at the garbage in a new way. From totally now. differently. Yeah. They're going to go back to their old ways, probably for most of them, but there's, there will be a couple. And one actually what happened at the end is that I think they got tired of doing the flora and fauna idea and they ended up making their own, someone hmm. made a purse. Oh, really? You know, it's like they're in a hat. And yeah, and that's my next project. When oh, I, fantastic. They can wear and they can even sell, you know, something that they maybe work together to raise money for their school or to for themselves. I don't know. But why not? Why not? It's a, it, it's an accessible material. So there's got to be a way to repurpose it. Yeah. We're going to be um, the Arts Council called Revision Exhibition. And then they asked me to do a workshop. So oh, wonderful. There's a woman there that does a workshop with um, new immigrant, immigrants that came that mm -hmm. are new, new, new Canadians. Mm -hmm. wanted to, it was called Culture Chats. I would do something with them, but ended up doing it online. And so I did that. I made, yeah. made purses and you know, it's evolving. And it's something that I can take. So cool. In other places, it's a great way of bringing people together. And also, yeah. Also, I had an opening at, uh, my gallery uh, is no longer get around anymore, unfortunately. Uh -huh. Artist talk was to ask people to bring some of their uh, plastic. And then I brought uh -huh. uh, needles and thread and I got them to sew them together. And I had them to go oh. together as a group, you know, to find someone to sew and pass it around. So they started, you know, sewing their plastic together to create interesting things. And then I hung on the wall next to my work, which I think they love that. Oh, I love that idea. So sewing the plastic together was also um, an important thing. And I'm actually sewing plastic here. I'll just show you an example. Yeah, please. I know you can't see it, but um, these are my, so this is, oh, um, this is plastic, right? That's bubble wrap. Yes, I use that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's glass. Glass yeah. shards. Yeah, yeah. So I glue them on with resin. So we, we should just, uh, it just for people who can't see this, this is, you started with bubble wrap and yep. then you've glued. But it's all sewn. It's all sewn. Yeah. And they're, they're in the shape of, of salmon. And then, and then there's either glass shards or that looks like parts of what, what's that plastic? It, so this is just a plastic bag, I guess, of some sort. Oh, okay. With big letters on it. Um, I just show you else. And a great message because this is all the stuff that's found in our ocean and yeah. you're, you're making art out of things that are wrapped up and thrown away and discarded into the water where these salmon do consume. come across it, consume it. Yeah. And then we consume the salmon. Yeah. So we're eating this plastic. Yes. Yeah. So this is sewn and um, oh. sculptures out of them. Be Wonderful. A, in a, at the art fair, an art fair in New York apparently oh up. that's exciting i want to come with you <laughs> i miss new york 
this the technique it's still a little sticky so yeah but that's very cool i love i love all the the repurposing and then those materials every time you get probably a kind of material it takes you off in another direction or do you find that like the hard plastics are set for wing and the soft plastics or could it be i, I am hopeless i mean i listen when i started doing art when i started mm -hmm. making art in art school, I was uh, focusing on sculpture mm -hmm. and fabric art. Mm -hmm. okay? And and then I realized that I'm really not set up for that because it was just, I think that I just, maybe I'm just too ADD for it. And I find that I hurt myself too much with wounding myself with tools. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I stay away from anything that has a big exacted knife and plastic. Yeah. I want oh, okay. to be flat yeah. and sewing I can handle, you know? And, okay. Uh, I, I don't think I'll get poked by a needle on the sewing machine, but I do feel like it's a safer place for me to and be. Needles are safer than exacto knives and hacksaws. Then, so yeah. I plastic, and I build three <laughs> D. And I actually, um, I'm working with, I'm working, I'm doing more. I'm actually working with plexiglass also. Mm -hmm. so wow. I'm getting or um, sandwiching my plastic in plexiglass. It was a little statement about cool. Yeah. Pandemic. Yeah, and um, they become also um, objects, and then I'm also making them so that they become a light box, and there's light flashing, so it almost looks like a wave effect, like it's water. Oh my god! They do different things that yeah. are so they're yeah. kind of find, finding their own path. But I'm hiring, you know, I'm fabricating this. I'm finding someone to help me because I don't know how to do it. Yeah, but in the meantime. You know, I stick with my painting and painting, you know, too. Painting, you do know. Painting, you you have got that down. <laughs> oh, and that's interesting because I never think so. When I walk through the uh, way to paint, it's like a beginner's mind. I don't know what I'm doing. Is that right? You come to your painting feeling like you, that's a good place to be, maybe because it's a place of curiosity. No? Fresh, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, but oh, I love your canoe series too, the big red canoe series. So where did that come from? Well, everything has a story. Yes. Uh, okay, so, you know, I raised my two kids and, well, limiting mm -hmm. uh, my um, possibilities to travel anywhere. And um, eventually, you know, they grew up. <laughs> <laughs> they tend to do that. We try to make it not happen, but. And I was able to start having more of a person, you know, my own life. And I yeah. Travel and so what I uh, so you know in the 80s I went to Bali I went okay. to Bali in the 80s and it was a really amazing place I mean people probably that went early would say it was an amazing place but it was still yeah. it was still not developed that much that you could really be part of some pretty remarkable experiences and mm. and I did have some powerful experiences that influenced my work on a, in a on a large scale and a great adventure on a, a bicycle trip through Cambodia. And wow. again, you see a lot of the garbage. They don't hide the garbage there. You just see the garbage. And yeah. I'm part of an NGO that I was invited to when I was on that trip, I took some time off and I went and I did a, um, I worked with these kids that used to be garbage pickers. Yeah. And so it, the whole thing was like a whole like eye opener for me, a, a much more of an experience that um, really, you know, when I came to Canada, you know, come back and realize, you know, as a Canadian, the privileges we have. I can yes can breathe the air turn on the tap and drink the water out of the tap i mean these are yeah. things take for granted i took for granted. so i thought that i'd like to celebrate being canadian and i thought what would be a way of doing that and i thought about the canoe because i thought it was a quintessential canadian it's iconic yeah 
And so, and I love the statement by Pierre Burton, Canadian historian that said, a true Canadian is someone that can make love in a canoe without tipping it. Yeah. <laughs> I love this so much that I thought I'm going to do a whole exhibition, a whole body of work. So did you do research for this or? Experiences. them to share, but they wanted to. And okay. Uh, but other than that, but so I, I had a love affair. I find a flat bottom canoe is much better for that than. <laughs> just get in the water. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the, the canoe series started that way when you came home yeah, and it and, was. Yeah. And, you know, I've always been interested in objects. Yes. And about the meaning behind objects and the, and, the, and it's a universal object. It's a, it's a shape in an object that, it's found in every society and so it has this meaning to it i find that there's a feminine energy to it and mm -hmm. uh, because it's kind of like a um, vessel mm -hmm. i started painting them one after another and of course when you start a series one leads to another and you start researching and um and you start talking to people and they share their stories and their stories become my inspiration and Oh, interesting. So there's, cause some of those, the canoes are very, they're very ethereal. Like they, they seem to go into the landscape, like the landscape that it sort of embodies these canoes and they're, and they're quite big canvases too, aren't they? We're talking what, four by six or. I need them to be large. I, I actually did one large, 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 large one for, um, in Belltown, a, a condo condominium in Belltown. Okay. Seattle. It's, uh, you can see it's called the Walton Lofts or something like that. And it's okay. in a showroom. Well, obviously I need the borders to open so yeah, yeah. I can go down and see this because I would. If you start linking in and going a little yeah. deeper, you'll find it somewhere. Okay. Okay. But yeah. It was, um, that was a pretty monumental canoe it sounds like what it would be like large, like the canoe itself would have been life size then maybe. Hey, yeah, it could be even larger than life. did that. Did that canvas fit in your studio? No, I actually have a friend's studio that I use. Um, so I have like a, another studio at 1000 Parker that I um, access that I use for big paintings or big, uh, if I do a big workshop or something. So I went there to do it. I needed a big wall. Yeah. And then well, I that think, was uh, fun though. Yeah, it was really fun. It was really great to work that large. Uh, I could mm. do large anytime, but I don't do it unless um, I know it's going to go somewhere. I don't no place to put it. Exactly. So. There's that thing of storage until it finds its home, right? So, yeah. It's unfortunate that I have them so practical, but that's just the way it is. Oh, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I just like you've led a whole life of creative, like you're following the, the creative thread and you all these different threads that you, you invent or, or they, they take you to different series like series of works and is that in a way that's developed over the years or is that how you've always crossed your well you know there's the artist that sustains a certain style of work and continues the same way of working yeah and they're very consistent because i think i already said that but they're consistent and then there's mm -hmm. the artist that goes in different directions and you never can know where they're going to go next yeah mm -hmm. those are very interesting artists <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I would say I'm in that category. Yeah. I was told once. That yeah. That I like to be able to justify why I do it. I don't yeah. have, I, I just work that way. I didn't plan it that way. I am just finding that the work changes depending on 
my direction. There are, I have to say, when I do a series, I could continue doing them for the rest of my life if there was a there's a reason, but the, mm. something comes up and I get really excited about it and I want to do it. I want to explore it and away from me. But, you know, I mean, honestly, because we, we've been, we've both been making our living in the arts for our lifetimes, but people want to understand how that happens. So we do things to support ourselves, right? So you've, you, you teach, right? You teach, um, that's, that's part of how you support yourself in your art. I mean, your, your art pays when you sell the art. But that's not, you can't depend on that. So you're, the thing you can depend on is, is teaching. It, so is that no? <laughs> okay. You never know. Okay, right. Yes, yes. I've been in the car for the last 21 years, and I have had consistency with teaching there. I agree. Yeah. I also have, um, I also did, you know, I, there was a point where I just thought, the heck is money? You know, what? how do you make, <laughs> how, do you, how, how do you understand it? You know, I didn't want yeah. I didn't have a really great relationship with it. So I understood, I started to understand it as being something that is, it's, it has a bad rap. Money has a bad rap. A lot of people put labels on it and make um, assumptions about it and put a lot of pressure on it. But basically it's energy that needs, and it needs to move. It needs to move. Right. No. My, my money moves so fast. I never can have a conversation with it. It's just like, wait, wait, I want to ask you. Oh, it's gone again. <laughs> Say, hey, money, come, yeah. come back here. Come back here. At least leave some of yourself behind. <laughs> but no. For a while. No. I love spending it as much as I like making it. And I and actually, yeah. uh, I don't want it to get in the way of my making of my art because I don't want yes. it to go, oh, how, you know, is someone going to like it? It's not about that. I have right. to be clear in my way. So I do have different layers and levels of my making of my art. One of the things I did create is a stream of income that's more of a passive income. And I think this is really important for other artists to understand. And mm -hmm. again, we get kind of brainwashed in some ways in art school about how to be an artist. Only one half of 1% really survive as an artist because it's a damn mm -hmm. who would ever choose it. You know? Well, it, it's like a school of philosophy, really, isn't it? Because nobody, when I, when I was at art school, nobody taught us the business of art. That's stuff that you learned afterwards. Maybe they do. I don't know because I haven't been in school for a long time. But yeah. I, do, I do know that when I read up on other artists and I understand how they work, they they strategize. These artists that are like the blue chip artists, they, they strategize mm -hmm. um, and work out, you know, where they go. And, and you know, I mean, it's not them. It's their community. It's their whole group. It's their whole um, support team. Mm -hmm. They're going to show their work. What comes next? Because they're all about building up momentum, about creating a, an interest in their work and raising the prices. And it's a whole, the art world is a very different world. And yes, you would rather have your gallerists and the museums take care of that. And you just carry on with your work. That's mm -hmm. an ideal situation. But most of us are not in that place. We have to figure out how to keep in our studios. So most yeah. of us have two to three jobs to keep that happen. So my right. job happened to be an Airbnb um, teaching Okay. I, I do this, um, I do reproductions and I use um, uh, alias names. So, oh. I names. so I use different yeah. names and I get, you know, someone, I get called by a reproduction company, a print company, and they say, Lori, you know, Gabriel Parks or whatever. Um, yeah. We need a series of this and these Pantone colors. And I was like, yeah, I got something to do. And I, but I have a limitation. I do it within an hour. Yeah. Or two hours. And I say, okay, I'll do it. And if I spend any more time, that's not the work I'm going to give them. I okay. have to have, they can't, it can't take over my life. That's so interesting. Yes. Yes. Over time. Yes. The 
they start promoting. And if I look online, I see my, and I, I put my name in. Yeah. Rebecca Myers, um, okay. Rob Parks and Cy Jones. You know, I have so much fun with these names. <laughs> um, if you look at, you'll start seeing that all these companies are promoting me, promoting my work. Oh, isn't that funny? And and this is, so this is a, a Nanda Plumes that you're, and, and what kind of work is it? What kind of work well, is it? That- quite, you know, beautiful. I mean, it's, the work is, I work with um, an art director. So she says, you know, can you um, give us a landscape that's really wet? You know, wet landscape. Here are the colors that are in right now. And so I'll work, but it's like, okay, here's my parameters. I have these colors and I have to have this kind of technique. Yeah, and explore it. What it does is actually gives me an opportunity to explore new ways of moving paint around. Yeah, also to work. So I'm. It really helps with me when I do commissions, and a lot of artists don't like commissions. Yeah, I actually find them really interesting, and I like the challenge because I'm always. It's always about hearing a story. Yes, and to, and yeah. You then reinvent what they say through visual language, and yeah, I find that really an interesting pathway for me. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that I have become quite good at that. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I don't think I've ever done anything where anyone has said it's not what I wanted. So mm-hmm. the same thing with this, com- it's more commercial art, but it's, but yet it, it has this level. It's like yeah. it's decor, it's people that can't afford beautiful art on their walls. And it's beautiful art. It's, it's yeah. decorative in the sense that it doesn't make you think. But it makes you can you can escape into it. Sure. So, and this is passive income because these classes yeah. then will be uh, monetized by being reproduced in in yeah. giclés or whatever. Well, they get them as prints and into like maybe they become uh, duvet or. Uh, oh, okay, I see. You know, I don't get that. Those are objects. I don't get that very much. But what I usually posters are not the poster world. You know, they get them printed. They put them in lots and frames. The, the cheapest form of wall art. Yes. And then oh. I get what's called passive income. Every couple of months, I'll get a check in the mail. That's can be quite substantial. That's awesome. And that is, see, now that's a lot of artists never have occurred to them. Only, you know, Vermont residency, mm-hmm. it was mostly American artists. And they would have, they'd have an evening where people would show their art and talk about their art. And these are PhD people who have conceptual work that are theorists, you know, and then at the end, they'll show their earrings that they sell on Etsy. <laughs> they would say, um, this is how I make a living in order to support my art. Please go visit Etsy and buy some of my jewelry. Not in Canada. You don't hear that and you don't see that very much here because I think it's uh, we have the Canada Council grants, you know, yeah. we have more support. I don't always get them, you know, rarely. Yeah. So I don't mind that American attitude of being an entrepreneur in my art. It, it helps me stay in my studio. Yeah. Take away my time in my studio. It's all about time management, isn't it? So, so when you recognize that you have to support yourself, <laughs> that when you do things that, like that, like that's high, I think that's highly creative. That and that's much better than having to go and get a, a a job that would be not so helpful to the soul. Let's say. Yeah, I was a bartender for many years. Mm, were you? You know, the other is. Um, I applied and I was accepted into being one of the golden education reps. Oh, for gold. And so what golden is for people that don't know is it's the premium acrylic paint. It's the gold standard of acrylic paint. Yes. And I I was invited to go to New Orleans. Ah. And for five days, we did nothing but make uh, sample boards of all the different possibilities that you can 
floor in uh, acrylic paint, which is wow. what happens is that part of that is that you go back home and if you do any workshops, any courses, you teach anything, you can fill in a form and tell them you're doing that. Mm -hmm. And then they, in exchange, give you points. It's become what you use towards buying paint. Oh, wonderful. So, because uh, teaching is this part of what I do, I get points for everything I do. And, and I end up getting boxes of paint throughout. That's so cool. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's fantastic. It's an interesting business model that Golden has to do that. It's much more effective. I love that. Because then, you, yeah, you're being their spokesperson because you actually really like the product. I would never do it. Unless I like yeah, it. yeah. It has a history. They worked yeah. with you know, Golden, Sam Golden from a long time ago was part of uh, the New York artists in Vancouver that have gone to these workshops and they've um... man. Okay. We need to do a part two because I, I like I'm, I'm, I'm at the end of my time limit now, but I really would love to talk to you more because this, I just feel like we've scratched, scratched the surface. <laughs> okay. looking... What about our time together? And I know. <laughs> well, we'll, well, years of, of making art and then know. me involved which I was so thankful of our culture talks to culture parks yeah right I know we will I think we need to do a part two so <laughs> we will no and I will bring you another bottle of wine <laughs> so and we can be face to face with each other is is my hope for this but um, I just want to talk about art of all kinds and 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 celebrate what everybody does yeah. And that yeah. is just like, oh, that painting behind you just thrills me. Oh, and for, okay, so people that, if, if you can't see it, how would you describe the, the painting behind you, Lori? Can you describe it? Well, it came from a walk that I do daily. Uh, well, not daily, but I try to do daily in my neighborhood. So it's a small little area that I live in. Uh, and I have made choices to pay more attention to the small and the insignificant. And that was a reflection of a pond. Well, it was a puddle of the uh, Trout Lake uh, when it overflowed its edges of the lake and went into the, the areas that you walk by. And it was all the trees and branches and the sun was setting in the water so I took photographs of it and then I reproduced it and oh. recreated it and, and yes it's kind of like you're looking in into yes. a pond or you, you don't know exactly but it's um it was heck of a lot of fun to paint oh it's it's just beautiful and the more you tell me about it the more I see that so what a great way to end this this is great we started by talking about that painting and we're gonna we'll end it there so, Lori, thank you so much for being one of my very first artists who agreed to uh, come and talk about what they do. So thank you so much. And that's a wrap. Episode number two, Out Into the Ether. I'd like to thank Lori Goldberg for her wonderful conversation. So many great insights into the world of art making. Check out her website at lorigoldberg.ca. That's L-O-R-I, Lori. And my website is elainebrewerwhiteceramics.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, creativity is intelligence having fun. <laughs>